are your favourite Mike Phelan memories? The balloon. Yes, number one with a bullet. And the tight shorts. Yeah. Those are the two things that are drawn to mind. The third thing is when he basically claimed credit for the latter period of Sir Alex Ferguson's reign. Yes, for the, for the last five years he was the manager. <laughs> now we know he was probably yeah, right. True, yeah, look, true, absolutely. Yeah, two wins out of two for Hull City, uh, relegation favourites, title contenders. If for um, any reason, I can't imagine there's, it's got to be a tiny percentage of the people listening to this that have never seen the Mike Freeman, Alex Ferguson balloon gif. Just Google that and uh, it, it, prepare for joy. It's good. It's really good. Never gets old. Uh, what also never gets old is Man United winning at football. Um, Old Trafford was absolutely buzzing uh, for a routine you know 2-0 win. And it was well worth it. I think it. we might be good. Yeah, we might be good. What, what did you like about that game? Everything. <laughs> I especially liked how in the last 10 minutes uh, Jose pulled off two attacking players for two defensive players just just to make sure that we know what kind of coach he is wow i can't um, believe i mean not quite the first point you made because the first point you made was <laughs> like that you enjoyed the game when it was really good but the second point was cynical no i look I, i'm saying that in tongue-in-cheek if it's if i was talking about van hull of course i'd be having a moan but uh you know, we can we can accept that from Jose. Uh, it's, it was just a very Jose moment, wasn't it? Uh, Herrera for Martial and Smalling for Rooney. Although, um, as we were uh, discussing uh, on another social media uh, channel of choice, um, I wonder whether Smalling might be better at number ten than Wayne Rooney. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that the you could say that the Chris Smalling substitution was defensive, but Herrera is hardly a defensive player, is he? Anyway, um, I guess more defensive than Martial. Uh, he also brought Mkhitaryan on, who was really uh, bright, and he made a point. He, he made was. a point of praising him in his post-match press conference. Which... He did, but interesting that um, he brought him on for Mata again. Uh, Mata was very good. Yeah, uh, he's had three games in a row uh, being very good. Yep. Uh, so. This is all precursor to talk about the real story of the day, of course. Um, Paul Pogba. Uh, I'm just going to get a bit dreamy now, really, because honestly, this is no exaggeration. We're recording this on Sunday night, so that's 48 hours later. I haven't really stopped thinking about it. I feel like every time I've ever called a Manchester United midfield performance, an individual player's midfield performance good in the last four or five years... Just strike that from the record. I didn't mean it. That was a good midfield performance. He was everywhere. He was. Um, it was a Roy Keane esque midfield performance, wasn't it? Two players in one. Great, great defensive um, player. Great attacking player too. All over the place. I mean, his uh, touch map is about ninety five percent between the two boxes, as you'd expect for a number eight. And uh, he was. He was very energetic. Passed the ball very well, um, except for his first pass, of course. First, <laughs> first ten seconds of his. Uh, Second United career, not very good. Uh, next, nope. 89 minutes and 50 seconds, very good indeed. Um, so, yeah, yeah, he was excellent. I'd like to see him 15 yards further forward, which is really where he played for uh, for Juve, just off the left and a bit further forward than that. But uh, I guess we'll we'll find our feet in the system. I mean, he, he got forward enough. He just didn't get into yeah. the box very much. I, I, I have to say that I don't think there was one time in the game where I thought, oh, I wish Paul Pogba was involved in this attack. There was like no gap between our midfield and our attack for the first time in however many years it's been. That It was such a noticeable feature. He just makes up the distance so quickly. And 
He did so... He does. The thing that was missing, he never got hit no, the No, I ball. guess not. But he did so much good work on the ball and behind the ball. And we really need that work. We don't have anyone else in the team that can do that to the same level. So it's. I, I'm not sure I completely agreed that I wanted to see him ahead of the ball often because because he was just so important on the ball. Uh, 104 touches, 11.2 kilometres run, never looked like... I mean, obviously, he was, like, sweating profusely at the end, but he never looked like he was struggling. And there were just a few moments where you thought he was going to lose the ball or you thought he'd stretch for a ball he was never going to win, and he just ends up with the ball at his feet every time. Yeah, um, he's uh, he's a complete midfielder, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, makes you wonder why there was any reticence to keep him four years ago. Anyway, we won't go into that. Um, uh, no. I mean, we know, don't we? We know We know it was a question of circumstances. It was a question of his form and kind of attitude in the reserves dipping at the same time that a route to the first team really opened up for him. Uh, yes, and and uh, a personal conflict between Fergie and uh, Mino Raiola. Not, not the first time a personal conflict has got in the way of United's interests, I might add. Um, still... He's going to be a fantastic player for United this season, uh, isn't he? I mean, I think that's why we were talking about him being the difference between United and potentially winning the title and not. I mean, it's that kind of performance. And without that kind of performance, Southampton, who who were actually pretty bright, you know, I think United were good, but Southampton had their moments, didn't they? And, And perhaps without Pogba, that might have been one of those games last season that ended in a narrow defeat. Yes, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. Without Pogba and without the other world-class addition to Manchester United squad this summer, um, a player who does not appear at 34 to be struggling with the massive step up in quality to the Premier League. Uh, four, four goals in three games. He doesn't. I think my prediction of him scoring less than 20 or 15 or whatever the number was uh, might might uh, might be proven wrong quite quickly. We'll, we'll see. Um, but he's a great start. Uh, he keeps scoring really good goals as well, doesn't he, Ibrahimovic? That header, that header was absolutely sick. It was a really good cross from Rooney. His probably his best contribution of the game another I mean you know we don't need to belabor the point but you know that was basically the only good thing we really did all night essentially it was a great cross but what a header just absolutely towering and so much power and accuracy and just brilliant yeah, it was a really excellent cross from Rooney. Played it into an area, um, and I think you put it anywhere between sort of eight and ten yards out, and Zlatan is going to be uh, seriously dangerous this season, isn't he? Um, yeah, apart from that, nothing, nothing from Rooney. I don't actually. We, we don't need to labour this one anymore. I don't think. I don't think we're expecting anything from him this season. It's the season in which he transitions out of the team. Um, and hopefully United win the title having sort of ten and a half men. The only thing I would say about him is just that last season so often the move would break down at Rooney and it would feel like just part of the malaise of the team. But now when the move breaks down at Rooney, it just really stands out because because the move isn't breaking down anywhere else really. Um, but I, th- I think, as you say, let's not belabor that. I want to go through the team really because I thought... I thought basically everyone was excellent. Valencia and Herrera was putting him in the same bracket as Dani Alves, which might be a slight exaggeration, but he's been brilliant again in that game. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be really important. If he's in the team permanently now, him and Shaw uh, have to have to get through a lot of work because United are not a wide team. 
you know, Marcel and no, Massa, and even when uh, Mkhitaryan comes into the side, as I guess we think he will, he's going to want to cut in too. So the fullbacks are really important. Actually, Valencia got forward a lot more than Shaw. I think Shaw tucked in quite a lot. Jose talked about it after the game about um, not being caught uh, in the transition phase and. Um, I think they might do that. They might tuck in one fullback when the other goes, and and it tended to be Valencia that was going more often. I wonder if that is just the circumstance of the game, or I wonder it's to do with the centre backs because Bay is a covering centre back. I mean, it's, again, this is very early days, but another really outstanding. I thought that was his best performance for United so far. He's got two man of the matches, and he wasn't close to man of the match in this game. But I thought this was, I thought this was a kind of complete performance from him. He barely put put foot wrong and he put a lot of feet very right yeah he did um i mean i think we know what we're going to get from him right he's he's great on the ball he's very very comfortable he's super quick and his um his recovery qualities are are excellent um positionally he looks sound uh don't see him getting out of position like balls looping over his head his partner in crime at the back um the the only thing is that he's just a little rash sometimes. And I think we are going to see some mistakes. I wonder whether we might see some red cards now and again. Um, well, I mean, we've that's kind of what we've predicted in the weeks, in the shows yeah. we've done so far this season. But there wasn't really any of that no, against Southampton, I, I didn't No, I mean, he was pretty solid, yeah. Southampton broke smartly, didn't they? And um, and United you know, didn't have a lot of cover in midfield. Um, which is part of the uh, the challenge we're having a Fellaini Pogba axis in there. Um, so uh, and and Bailly was yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, um, look, let's hope uh, let's hope he learns quickly. And um, I think uh, a lot of the scouting reports and uh, what we said when we saw him in a few early occasions this season are proving to be just about true at the moment. And we'll see how quickly he matures. I, I just think that was a performance worthy of of specific merit and specific note, as was the performance of Marouane Fellaini, a player genuinely transformed its early days and maybe it won't last but if it does uh, it's a pretty remarkable achievement of management one that Jose Mourinho was more than happy to take credit for in his post-match press conference he said a number of things about Fellaini he said after Bournemouth that he gets the feeling that red people don't love Fellaini and they're going to have to start loving him because if he plays like he did against Bournemouth which he did again against Southampton and against Southampton he said I feel after that game Mourinho said I feel the relationship is already changing because Fellaini's performances are changing and then he was asked why he thought that might be and he said um, well it can just be down to one phone call uh, the day after I was uh, presented as Manchester United manager, I phoned him and said he's a very important player and for my team. So Mourinho is taking credit for the the revitalised confidence of Fellaini and paid off in droves so far. Yeah, I mean he's he's been great so far in in games in which United have basically been on top, and uh, we'll see playing as that defensive midfielder because he's definitely the deeper of the two there, wasn't he? Um, you know, although in uh, in the transition, Pogba was very good defensively, and and he's going to need that support, Fellaini, because he, he's not a, he's not just not a defensive midfielder. I, I don't care how much confidence he's got. Um, I, I cannot believe that the numbers will add up to someone who um, who shields United's back four in the way that we need, especially in the transition, right? So um, people are going to run beyond him and pass around him. Um, he. Still doesn't make a lot of tackles. He's been much, much neater with the ball, hasn't he, this season and, and seem seemingly more confident on it. So, I mean, we'll see. It would be a miracle for him to turn into that player uh, because he's never been that player before. 
Uh, yeah, you're right. Although he made six tackles against Bournemouth, two against Southampton. Those Bournemouth numbers are big numbers, aren't they? Um, for a tackle from a defensive midfielder. Um, although, obviously, he's inclined to tackle as a... None with his elbows. <laughs> no, which is great. Um, yeah, Pogba alongside him, just magnificent. Rooney, lacklustre. Um, Mata, terrific. Again, like, really works so hard for the team. Um he does. He tried a few passes, you know, cute passes, reverse passes and passes inside fullbacks and stuff that didn't come off. And it's just the kind of thing that Jose hates. I mean, he's not one for... I mean, he's not as conservative as Van Gaal by any means, but um, I think he likes players who are attacking players, but not risk-taking players. And because uh, he doesn't like it when the play breaks down, that phase of play breaks down. So we'll see. I still would not be surprised if Matter is not here beyond August 31st. But he's really? Been, he's been really good in three games in a row, Matter, and I'd love him to stay, and I want him to stay in the team somehow. I actually think he should be playing at number 10, which he'd be very, very good at, wouldn't he? Do you Are you seriously saying you would genuinely not be surprised at this point if he leaves by August the 31st? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I think um, I think Jose's easing Mkhitaryan into the side. But we'll see. We could be wrong about that one. No, I mean, I also... I also think that he's easing Mkhitaryan into the side, but I think he's also making it abundantly clear that Mata's part of the plan. Um, but, I, you know, via the medium of picking him in the two competitive games we've played so far. Uh-huh. I, d- I don't know another uh, Mourinho side that plays with that kind of player in a wide area. No, no, I, I don't think his long-term future is wide on the right. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It, you got Mkhitaryan on the, in the squad. It makes no sense to play Mata there, but it makes all the sense in the world to play him centrally, or even play him and Mkhitaryan in kind of exchanging positions on the right and in the middle, which they would be able to do very flowingly and elegantly. So the one player who was a bit quiet was uh, Martial, who uh, he's been asked to play as basically a left-sided midfielder uh, and not the attacker that he is, and uh, I wonder whether that's going to suit him. Uh, I think he was an awful lot better against Southampton than he was against Bournemouth, especially in the second half. He sort of came to life a bit and he was really important in the move that led to the goal and also was involved in a lot of the really good in- interplay with Mata, Ibrahimovic and Pogba. Um, so I I thought it was a much more settled performance for Martial, much more assured of his I don't know, it looked like he he just looked like he belonged in the role he was playing in a way that he didn't against Bournemouth. And as you say, that United were very much on the front foot in that game. So maybe that's what it was down to. Yeah, but uh, no dribbles, no take-ons, no assists, no shots. Um, uh, or no shots on target, I should say. Yeah, yeah. He had a um, shot, so, yeah. I mean, I, I, oh, look, huge fan, so I'm not trying to write him off or anything like that. He's been a bit quiet. Maybe it's uh, post-Juro 2016 Blues. I think I think it's also a little bit tactical as well in that he's going to have to spend more time um, in uh, covering positions, especially with United playing fullbacks really high this season. Um, and and it just might not suit him as much as as uh, as other systems do. He's going to have to get used to it, or he's going to have to find another role in the team. I think the thing is that he it might not be the role in the team that gets the best out of Martial, but it is definitely the best role for him to be playing in the team with with everyone else that we've got. You know, with all the other options we've got. Um, it just looks like a very well balanced team and there's no sense at all that he that there's a drop off in quality when the ball comes out to him. 
you know, the the the, the attack just looked very balanced and just full of quality. I'm not saying there's drop off in quality. No, no, far no, from no, it. no, no, nothing like that. I, I'm saying that he's going to be starting his uh, his starting position in the attacking phase of the game is going to be deeper than it was in the past. Yeah, definitely, and. You know, he can do that, and that is the best role for him to contribute to the overall system at the moment, even if it's obviously not the best role for him as a as an individual. If you just if the goal was to maximise Martial, then then absolutely this would be an issue, but that's not the goal, is it? The goal is to maximise the team. Uh, and doing that very nicely at the moment. Um, so, yeah, two, two wins out of two, or three if you count the charity shield. I want to talk about that um, Ibrahimovic attempt... The Pogba dink into the box, then the little matter header in towards Ibrahimovic, really smart, and Ibra nearly defying gravity and scoring a, a wonder goal. That would have been one of the best goals of all time based on those three touches had it, had it found the top corner. You know at some point this season he is going to score a wonder goal. Oh, of some, absolutely. Of some, I don't know if it's an overhead, some 45-yard free kick <laughs> from his own half. Uh, you know, a couple of keepy uppies and a, and a bicycle kick somewhere. You know, something is going to happen. So Mourinho said um, that he had told Wayne, Paul and Zlatan, they were the penalty takers, and Wayne and Paul had said, all right, well, Zlatan's the penalty taker then. <laughs> and I like that. It's like Rooney had the ball in his hand and he was just like, yeah, here you go. Here you go, big dog. I was typing a sentence about the move that had led to the penalty at the time. And I kind of wrote in my little, on my, I, I typed out um, the penalty, which Ibrahimovic dispatched just before he'd taken the penalty. Because <laughs> there's no doubt. There was no doubt. No. Uh, right in the corner, no doubt at all. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, God, imagine Rooney's, Rooney's record from penalties is like 50-something percent, isn't it? It's very, very low, um, which is odd, really, for all the criticism he gets on this show, hashtag agenda. Um, he uh, he actually strikes a ball extremely cleanly. Yeah. Uh, he should not have a bad record at penalties at all. No. This is not controlling the ball. Maybe he should just think about it's a ball coming into his feet. He's trying to control it. Bang, top corner. So harsh. But yeah, no, I mean, the Ibrahimovic factor is is vast. Uh, and his relationship with Pogba, you could see in the post-match interview stuff, much has been made of that. Uh, we have to talk about Pogba and Eric Bailly's outrageously awesome handshake. Oh, yes. They've been teammates for a week. A week! How'd you learn a handshake like that in a week? Practice. That is serious, serious work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we practiced in set pieces and then handshakes. Apparently so. I mean, it was just, there was one moment where after Zlatan scored and he's uh, flying through the air in celebration and Pogba comes up to him. Isn't that a moment that defines the transition of, you know, new United? Because that would have been, that would have been... You know, some dross jumping on some dross last season, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah it would. The quality upgrade, it's... Uh, I can't form words. Like, that is... The, the impact of Pogba in that game, it was just... It was like, you know, the, the Southampton fans, when he blasted one uh, just wide right at the death, Southampton fans started singing, what a waste of money. And like Paul Gunning wrote on his piece for Republic of Mancuna, you know their hearts weren't in that. You know they didn't really mean it. They just couldn't have been more wrong. That entire game was testament to just why he was so worth that level of investment. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. It is, isn't it? We're going to have to change the name of the show. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, it was never like necessarily a negative, was it? We've won the league twice since we started doing this show. Yeah. All right. So uh, welcome to podcast. <laughs> on this show, we talk about Paul Pogba a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is for sure. We are definitely going to be talking about Paul Pogba and Zlatan a lot. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully we've given due, due merit to the other players in the team as well. I was watching, uh, I spent a lot of that game watching Mourinho on the touchline as well, because, you know, having just not, Van Gaal never even stood up. Mourinho just doesn't sit still at any point. Like he's on the touchline the whole time, giving all these really specific instructions. And I ended up sat behind, like looking at him, getting kind of fascinated by what he was saying to the players. And I tried to ask him about it in the press conference. And his answer was like a little bit unsatisfying. You seem to give a lot of really specific instructions to some players from the touchline. Um, what, was the, what were the kind of things you were trying to improve or change in, in their play? I was speaking for 90 minutes. It's difficult to say. <laughs> It's difficult to say, but sometimes it's related to position. Sometimes it's the moment we lose the ball. I want them to react in a certain way. Sometimes it's the moment we recover the ball. Uh, I don't know, so many so many things. And sometimes I'm not even speaking to the players. I'm speaking to myself. <laughs> so, yeah, I, feel, I thought it was kind of interesting, especially with what you said earlier, Ed, about him... Uh, not liking it when United lose possession those phases in those phases of play. That sort of hinted at that, really. But I, I kind of I wanted more specifics when I asked the question. He's not going to give away the secret sauce, though, is he? No, he's clearly not. Maybe when, maybe when he gets me to know me better and he knows it's only going on the rank car. So I hear you and Ed Woodward had a, a close call. I, uh, I was hoping you might ask for uh, uh, the real power Old Trafford's autograph, um, you know, Raiola. <laughs> I just I saw him like walking across a corridor. I was like, shall I say hello? No, I'm, I'm not going to do that. That would be remarkably unprofessional. Talking to Sauce, did he look like he was on it? <laughs> I know not what you're talking about, Ed. I'm pleading the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> he did look extremely happy at the end of that game, and you could see why. So he should be, yeah. I mean, this is the rewriting of uh, Ed Woodward's mm. legacy, isn't it? You know, we just thought he was a, a money man who could strike marketing deals with uh, second-rate noodle providers in Thailand. Um, uh, he can he can also pull off the signings of uh, world-class players too. Yeah, absolutely. Or at least write very big checks to Mino you know, Raiola. <laughs> what a weird world. What a weird world. Um, shall we take loads of Twitter questions? Let's do it, yeah. Uh, at Jamie Das says, could Britain's flash footballers learn a lesson from ordinary Olympians? I know Jamie well enough to know that he's definitely being uh, ironic when he says that. It is really tiresome, this comparison. It, it is really tiresome, and because there's been pe- plenty of petulance from the, some Olympians too. So I have to, have to say I thoroughly enjoyed the Olympics, but I, I think there's absolutely no need to do the old footballers are idiots and uh, look at these wonderful Olympians piece. There has been uh, a fantastic performance from Team GB and we should enjoy that if we're being patriotic and uh, enjoy the financial doping that's come along with it. Uh, we're very, very good at that. The financial doping was that. I just want to make that very the clear. Financial that's, that's the allegation. 
Yeah. Oh, no, it's not an allegation. It's true. It's uh, five point something million per gold medal. Uh, very well purchased. It's a lot cheaper than hosting the Games. <laughs> yes. um, for the feel-good factor, lots lots cheaper. Um, and there's a very good formula. You know, you just basically put a big bag of gold at the end of the, the swimming pool, or the velodrome or the track or on the high bars or, or whatever sport it is. And they have to go chase it in order to get it. Um, and uh, carry on with their sport. And it has a very good motivational factor, apparently. Um, what's kind of interesting, in 2012, all these same stories happened at the same time of year, of, like footballers are bad, Olympians are good. And there's a couple of like tangentially related things to this. One was Jake Humphrey tweeting, parents, you should use Olympians as role models, not people off TOWIE. And I was like... What parent is choosing between Olympians and people off TOWIE? <laughs> I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. And also, there's like the extent of the kind of sneery, snobby privilege of that statement. It's really frustrating. Um, and then uh, in a sort of tangentially related thing, Raheem Sterling got roundly booed by Stoke fans at the weekend. And you just think... United fans booing Raheem Sterling, absolutely fine. Everton fans may be fine. Even Liverpool fans now, maybe that's totally fine. But for just random clubs to be booing Raheem Sterling because he made a big money move, lost confidence and wasn't very good for the national team, it is really pathetic. But it's Stoke fans. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so that's all you need to know. Uh, talking to football, I mean, I have to say I've watched very li- a little Olympic football um, because it's, you know... the. It's not why you watch it. I know we talked about this before. I'm not even sure that football should be in the Olympics, at least not in its current format. But the final was very good. Oh, it's wonderful. Um, and Neymar absolutely lost the run of himself after he scored that penalty, didn't he, to, to win gold for the Brazilians. Yeah, that's the only football I've watched in the Olympics uh, at all. And it was just magical. That, I mean, Neymar, like, if anyone deserves ridiculous credit for their mental fortitude their kind of the the shoulders that are far too broad for their years he scored that free kick he's obviously the leader of that team I and mean, he's obviously the best player in that tournament by a mile but none of that has any kind of bearing on the fact that he had the opportunity to win this medal that was so desperately craved by this country that's always taken that tournament seriously and never won it and he steps up to take the final penalty knowing that if he scores that's it he's won it and he does it and it's just like that kid has really got a heart of steel you know he's really got kind of ice cold veins and then he as you say just completely lost it afterwards but amazing stuff yeah yeah talking to financial doping hi Neymar (laughs) no it's been very good I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, I think with the um the time difference means that the athletics was on really really late so I actually watched very little of it and watched lots of other weird sports i've been uh me and my uh my little ranter three years old have been thoroughly enjoying the taekwondo in the last few days i'm not sure kicker in the head is acceptable language around a three-year-old but it's been happening <laughs> oh dear yeah i i ended up watching loads of the athletics in like little bursts on online i just love watching usain bolt run because it's so exciting um because like after smashing the hundred meters, like the triple triple, that is the level of achievement is just it's you know you shake your head at it. He's he's so unique and such an incredible runner. 
and sort of such an all-time sporting hero and you know obviously like he's been proved so far he's always been clean throughout his career and let's hope that is true and he can be a genuine hero for a long time to come talking to another athlete who's clean and there's absolutely no doubt about his uh, cleanness uh, mo farah double 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 how many doubles did he do a lot just a double double uh yeah two two olympic golds back to back in the olympics and if he's clean that is a hell of an achievement it's a shame there's a doubt but uh, his coach has form yeah absolutely um anyway uh, yeah so should we do some more let's do some more non-olympic related questions at hez133 says over under on foul flows by tony v this season 40.5 i'm taking the under on 40.5 i'm not sure jose Mourinho is gonna tolerate foul throws what from the world's best right back no chance smart isn't it that he like I know it's only been two games, but I'm pretty sure that under Herrera is definitely right. Um, at Vikash Patel 94 asks Chinese or Indian? Ed, what's your preference takeaway wise? Uh, typically, I had Indian tonight. Actually, okay, there you go. So uh, yeah, Indian. I tend to cook lots of Indian food, so that's my go-to food just generally in my life. Um. Is it just me, asks at Etna underscore UK, or does the next game seem ages away? Uh, Yeah, it's like, yes, I can't wait for United to play again. Saturday evenings just can't come around quickly enough. It's only these first few weeks, because then we've got the uh, international break, and then after that, the Champions League starts up. Not for us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you mean Champions League, do you? (laughs) Uh, And then the Europa League starts up. Um, and it's going to feel a lot more crowded after that. Um, at Ryan Dino seven says, which player from Friday Night Lights would best fit into the United squad, and who should we send to Texas? I think if you want to send someone to Texas who would be quite good at American football, then I reckon Valencia would make a pretty good linebacker. But if you just want to get rid of someone, I'd send Marcus Rojo to Texas. <laughs> um, Special and teams. I'd have I'll have Tim Riggins for sure. I'm having Tim Riggins in the centre of our midfield. It's an obvious shout. I mean, you can keep your kind of flair players, your Jason Streets. Um, I like Matt. Matt Saracen's kind of the Gary Neville of Friday Night Lights. All heart and work rate. Um, but no, it's Riggins. It's Riggins all the way. Very good. <laughs> At Cole J. Robinson says, <clears throat> If Paulie Pogba pinched a peck of Premier Perlers, how many Premier Perlers will Paulie Pogba pinch? Or, you know, how many goals do you reckon Pogba will score this season? Which is actually... A really interesting question, because he doesn't score that many goals. Got eight last season. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, Not bad. But, you know, eight goals is not a spectacular return by any means, is it? No. So let's say he gets between eight and 12 this season. So, uh, you know, the Premier League, there's... uh, Well, I was going to say the Premier League, there's typically more goals, but that actually wasn't true last season, was it? So I think I'm right in saying there were more goals per game in Serie A. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Eight, eight, ten, twelve will be a good return for him. Uh, you're right; he doesn't. He's not the kind of Frank Lampard esque number of goals from midfield, is he? That's because he's not getting ahead of the ball. <laughs> you would imagine. Well, did Frank Lampard ever score any goals by getting ahead of the ball? Didn't all Frank Lampard's goals come from him making runs at the right time around the edge of the area from behind Third the man ball? Runs, yeah. yeah. And deflections. <laughs> yes. I, I wonder whether... I th- I'm sure that Paul Pogba will have a 25-goal season before the end of his career. I'm sure that's going to be something that gets worked on. And in like, when he's 27, he'll be banging in 20 goals a season regularly from midfield. At Andrew underscore short underscore 91 says, Has Morgan Schneidlin done a Wilfred Zaha? No. 
Uh, what would that be exactly? Come on, Ed. So, you know what that means. Um, I, I, you know, couldn't possibly say, and uh, no one would defile Jose's daughter like that either. I suspect that Morgan Schneidlin has done a not being quite as good as the alternative options. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a hard one because you know I think when he signed, uh, I, well, I definitely said you may have agreed or not that um, Schneidlin was just just a little cut below the quality that United really would have wanted um and I think uh, I said we'll have to wait and see on that yeah I'm sure I talked about something like Liverpoolization uh, along with that um so you know he's a decent player but he's not a great player um and it's not really clear where he should play either because I don't think he's really a defensive midfield player I think he's more of a box-to-box player and if that's the case he's definitely not as good as Pogba um, and, and United are probably short of a proper defensive midfielder in that sense. So, you know, that's why Jose is trying Fellaini in there. Carrick will get some games, but of course he's, he's, you know, his last year at Old Trafford and he's in his mid-30s and all of that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's anything to do with Jose's daughter. I think he's just not that good. At Paul Hay 1967 says, is it possible Paul will spontaneously combust this season, given how excited he is after two games? I did have to keep reminding me myself, it's two games, it was a routine home 2-0 win, but it's hard not to get very, very excited after that game. Well, we've got a mega game coming up next weekend. So, <laughs> I mean, it's the uh, it's this game. Is it the national um, the international break after the whole game? Yeah, and then the derby after and that. And then City. Yeah. Yeah, that's when the season really starts. Um, at Match of the Dan says, have you ever had a special handshake with anyone? I've had so many. Like, most of my friends will at some point have been forced to learn a special handshake. I've got, like, a really elaborate handshake that I taught my mum. So I always do that one. I've got the double tap, then fist bump with quite a lot of people as, like, established as a default. It's, uh, it's an important part of my life, the special handshake. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Ed, I've not got you down as a special handshake man. No, I'd just go for the firm, you know, British handshake. <laughs> Gold medal winning handshake. Will we lose our proud record, asks at OYA Creations, of having a youth team graduate in our match day squad every game this season? No, because Paul Pogba's gonna play every game. Does he count? I mean that record is Players that have come through Manchester United's academy, played for Manchester United's academy on the bench or in the first team. So, yes, it definitely counts. I mean, you know, we didn't buy him. <laughs> yeah, sure. But, you know, he came through. Uh, we bought him the first time round as well. Yeah, exactly. That's the point I'm making. We bought him the first time round. Uh, he might have played for the reserves a couple of times. but uh... when, when, when does it start? Like, when do you when do you put the cut off? Like, how young do they have to be? I remember when, um, when Tom Cleverley left and I put a tweet about, you know, it's like always sad to see a kid that's been at the club, you know, leaving. However, whatever the circumstances, a kid that you thought was going to make it, not quite making it, is always sad. And someone was like, ah, he's from Bradford anyway. And I was like, he came to United when he was 12. Is that not young enough for you? It's like, no, he's from Bradford. Okay, fine. Yeah, that's um, that by that definition, yes, I don't think United have done 3,700 and whatever games uh, with a youth player in the squad. So, yeah, I, I suppose Pogba will count, but that's cheating. And I think there are other players that will be... Jesse Lingard will make every squad, won't he, unless he's injured. Marcus Rashford also. Uh, and Marcus Rashford will make a lot, so, yeah. And Fossi Mensa will make squads, even though you could say that's cheating too. But I, I don't think... The, the rule is really simple. The rule is... Played for the academy side and play and in the first team. Um, at NRD Brennan, this is on a kind of related note, and I think this is actually a really genuinely interesting question. 
Am I a terrible United fan for feeling like this is one summer of mega millions too far to still feel connected? And I think that is a completely reasonable question. No, I, I mean honestly, if you, if you uh, if this was the straw that broke the camel's back, did you not see everything that happened over the last ten years and the Glazer purchase uh, and all the sponsorship deals and and it's spending some money um, when there's a mega new TV contract on players that broke the camel's back? No. I don't buy that one. Um, well, I, I do because it's about how somebody actually feels. Yeah. Oh, no, come on. So it's, Look, it's, it's, <laughs> but he's asking a question about, you know, is it fine? He, he doesn't need to ask the question about how he feels because I don't know. Um, <laughs> if, if the question is about, you know, whether this is too, this is the thing that is too much. No, this isn't the thing that was too much. The thing that was too much happened in May 2005. And after that, we've, we've compartmentalized all the shit. Uh, that surrounds football and enjoyed the football sometimes. Yeah, and my take on this is I've, I've rarely felt... It's interesting, there's there's a kind of slightly tangential con- conversation to this about the uh, bridge between the squad and the pl- fans in the stands, which Mourinho was red hot on. So before the game, this is just pure, it's pretty straightforward, you know, image manipulation, but it's it's done better than any other man. It's one of the reasons that Moyes and Van Gaal were so frustrating because they got this so badly wrong. Mourinho struck exactly the right tone. He basically demanded support from the fans, not for himself, but for the team. He said, he was asked about the, it was a, it was a beautiful T-ball for him because he was asked about the uh, his home record and whether he could make Old Trafford a fortress. And he basically said, it depends. If I've got 70,000 people with me, I definitely can do that. So that was the the first kind of, you know, G up, the the first kind of message out there. Then there was the fact that the um, players made a big deal out of the crowd, like Pogba made a big deal of applauding the crowd before the game. Ibrahimovic uh, applauded the away support specifically after his goal against Bournemouth. He did the same thing for the home fans um, after his goals in this game. That there is a conch, and Pogba did a lot with the crowd after the game as well. There's conscious efforts to build bridges and and generate some atmosphere in that ground, which I think is is smart. And every United player on social media after the game was out there talking about the atmosphere. Um, so you know, I, I think that is pretty pretty good in terms of forging that connection. But 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 Neil, I don't think it makes you a terrible United fan. I think it's. Uh, it's understanding. I, I totally understand why all the hoopla around all this would make somebody feel disconnected, but it doesn't do that for me. Uh, I think the disconnection came long ago. Yeah. I, I think the uh, Rancast Word of the Week is tangential. I've, I've said it a lot, sorry. Hannah May J says, should we rename football's Latin ball? Um, I mention this because Hannah is drawing every single Man United goal this season. Um, she's done some beautiful illustrations already. She's going to be drawing Zlatan Ibrahim Ibrahimovic a lot. Look up hashtag gift of a goal. It's uh, they're, they're fundraising for a lot of different charities um, and Hannah's Hannah's covering United and it's uh, it's great. But she's going to spend all season just drawing Zlatan, basically. Very nice. And uh, United rant writer Tarek Amir at Le False Nine at Le False Number Twelve says, "Was Latan's opening goal against the Saints the first recorded incident of a turnip assisting a Swede?" Hashtag Rankcast. Hashtag Agenda. No comment. I thought you'd like that one, Ed. I put that in especially for you. Um, and on that note, we come on to previewing 
this weekend's mega clash against United clash of the managerial uh, titans against United legend Mike Phelan actually like genuinely quite an uh, like a small you know in the background quite an important figure in the history of Manchester United Mike Phelan yeah um one of uh what, four or five assistants that Fergie had um, through some of the most successful years, also a player for United, yeah. United legend Mike Phelan. Yeah, um, and now he's bidding to become a whole City legend. He was brought into the whole City fold by Steve Bruce, who he has stepped in to replace as Bruce left um, because of the chaos at the club. I think they had 13 senior players available to them for the first game of the season, but Mike Phelan, perhaps calling on some of that managerial genius that he sat next to for such a long time has engineered two wins on the bounce for Hull City a I'm not sure I'd call Steve Bruce a managerial <laughs> genius but it's nice of you to say yeah <laughs> um yeah just remarkable that win against Leicester come nobody would have predicted that whatsoever and you know I, I think most people would have had Swansea pretty big favorites at home wouldn't they yeah they would I mean it's been a total disaster of a summer at Hull um, you know, a really difficult few years. Uh, got relegated. Um, uh, Owner wanted to change the name of the club to the Hull Tigers. Wasn't allowed to. Uh, he's trying to sell the club now. He's obviously disconnected from the fans. So um, they've got no players and no manager. Um, so it's, it's a super difficult time, you know, and I, I think everyone expected them to get as close to zero points as any other team has ever got in the history of the Premier League, basically, this season as a result. But um, they might well get a few more than that, given that they've got six already. Uh, the genius that is balloon-popping, tight-short-wearing Mike Phelan. Uh, Curtis Davies has been massive for them so far. Like Really good defensive performances. Got an assist for the Sean Maloney goal uh, that opened the scoring against Swansea and um, the Abel Hernandez managed to get on the score sheet which is obviously big considering they don't have a lot of attacking options I mean their their squad is just so thin um, and and it's going to be the same team that they've played it's going to be the same system no doubt and playing a 4-3-3 so far this season um, because basically that's that's their only option and I'm sure they'll do that again I'm sure they'll do that again against United. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, Phil Neville this week uh, saying... Phil Neville, that is. The uh, more successful of the Neville brothers. <laughs> I tell you, I want a word with Phil Neville. I, I was fuming. His analysis... I know, like, I, sh- I don't know why I'm sticking up for Raheem Sterling so much, but I'm just really annoyed by the stick he gets because it feels so personal. And honestly, it really feels like it's to do with... It's to do with, like, the cultural norms in this country. Let's say no more than that. But anyway, uh, Phil Neville's analysis on Raheem Sterling on Match of the Day was one of the worst three minutes of television you would ever hope to see in your life. He, he talks about him, he should make a run in this direction and then just kind of squeezes the graphic of Raheem Sterling to a place that he could never have physically reached. Uh, then a few moments later, he, he stops a bit of footage and uh, draws three arrows on the screen of three directions that he could have passed the ball when the ball was already not under Sterling's control by that point. He also criticised him for not getting enough assists. And then when Sterling made the excellent pass uh, across for, I think it was Nolito, and he scored City's fourth, um, Phil Neville said, I think he should be scoring himself there. And also, Sterling's got four assists in three games. So anyway, the whole one might be three and four, but either way, it was just... Phil Neville is a very bad pundit. We're talking about ex-Liverpool, now City 
player Raheem Sterling, who's fathered 427 children. Good on Phil Neville. Top, top red work, that is. It's embarrassing, Ed. It's embarrassing. If, if that's our attempts at like, undermining our opponents, just dribbling inconsistent incoherence. It was not good. Hey, we do that for 60 minutes every week. <laughs> I was, as I was saying it, I was like, mm, we've, got a, we've got a serious pot kettle situation here. All right. So, I mean, look, no matter how well uh, Mike Phelan has done and, and that team is pulling itself together, um, you can't imagine that United are going to screw this up. I mean, we have done at Hull uh, in the not too distant past. Um, and uh, but you know this is uh, this is set up for United to go and win this one or two nil and and get out of there comfortably. Yeah, or three or four nil because something clicks because you know someone's getting turned over and in probably fairly short measure someone's going to get battered. It might not be whole this weekend, but at some point it's coming. Uh, I think I'll predict a three-one win to United. Yeah, I'm going to say two nil and. Uh, uh, 2-0, 20 minutes to go. We'll get uh, Mike Smalling on at the back. Uh, just uh, put six across the back and uh, keep it nice and safe. Do you think he'll start Mkhitaryan? He's got to at some point, hasn't he? I mean, this would be a good one where you uh, you might want to play on the break a little bit for all the possession that I will have. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably won't be playing on the break that much. But, uh, I mean, that's the kind of game that it, it, it might be sensible to bring him in for. Um, who knows? Look, Matter was really good, but uh, at some point we expect uh, we expect Mkhitaryan to come in, don't we? I mean, he's he's got what Josie wants. He's a modern player. He's a lovely touch player, but he's also uh, super quick. Yeah, I mean, just like rapid and brilliant. It was great his little cameo. Old Trafford, and it was really nice. Mourinho talking about the the crowd's reaction to Mkhitaryan and and what an important player he's going to be, sort of thing. Uh, that was that was a nice moment. I don't know. It, it's it's so hard to talk about him without bringing up Rooney because you know, like you just automatically defaulted to saying Matt has been playing really well as a reason not to play Mkhitaryan. But it is just like there is that isn't the place where you should be bringing him in, is it? I mean, it might be the the spot in the team, but he's not he's not the player that he should be replacing. Not going to happen yet. Let's see. Let's see. I mean, um, Rooney normally gets one injury a season, so that might be the time for the transition. Yes, maybe so. We shall we shall see what happens. And the other thing is, he might get uh, he might get a bit more of a tune out of Rooney still because he's obviously done that with Valencia and Fellaini so far, uh, and they're they're both performing at a level well above where we would have been expecting them to perform. So, you know, it, I don't think it's likely, but neither do I think it's impossible that something will happen on that front. But I guess I don't think that'll happen at Hull. No. Um, I don't think it's going to be a man of the match performance. He might well score, though, because he does do that. He will do that. Score goals. Yeah, he's got a goal and assist so far this season. Not bad. Three away from the record. Oh, yeah, it's happening. It's going to happen. So, yeah, I guess uh, that's us done for another episode of the Rankcast. We'll be back with another one of these next week. And if you're a backer at the $5 or above level, we'll be we'll have a bit more show for you now. Yeah, we will. Um, we didn't do a... Uh, well, we did a meet-up, didn't we? Um, level on Patreon. We didn't do a live show um, level on Patreon. But if you're in Seattle, Las Vegas, LA, San Francisco, Palo Alto, or Mexico City, that's where I'm going to be for the next five weeks. So... <laughs> 
shout me up. Hit <laughs> Ed up on hi. Twitter. Yeah, Ed's going to need people to watch football with in various different parts of the the Americas. Yeah, mostly on the West Coast. So that's at United Rant on Twitter. I will mostly be in Birmingham and Manchester, so, you know. Uh, but we will definitely, we'll be organising the meet-up and all that stuff. We had a few messages about that, so that's awesome. That's going to be open to everybody, not just people that are backing us on Patreon. It was just one of the tiers of like our goals that we were trying to hit um so yeah patreon.com slash rankcast if you want to get involved uh, to get a bit of bonus content um and thank you very much to everyone who's done that and we will be back uh same time next week take it easy i was living in a devil town i didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town.